the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then we're tired. Get out. Does it matter? Anybody can be beat. So how did that just feel? Feel great. Poetic Everybody and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is your host Tyson Roush, and we got a jam-packed show tonight. We have defensive tackle T.J. Barnes joining us. We have a recap of an interview we did with Demario Davis, and also we got a plenty to talk about from free agency to the draft to pretty much almost everything at this point. I mean, there seems like there be, there seems to be news on a daily basis. Um, you know, it, it seems like you know every day now there's articles about Revis, articles about Cromartie what we want to do with the quarterback position, you name it, we're talking about it. So with that being said, I'll bring on my co-host, uh, Joe from Long Beach. Joe, it's Tyson, man. How you doing? I'm all right, man. How you doing today? I'm doing great, man. So it's an exciting time. I mean, the Super Bowl came and went, and now we're talking, getting ready to talk free agency. We're talking, you know, salary cap questions and, you know, draft questions. It's a pretty cool time now. It's like I'm kind of glad the Super Bowl is come and gone. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now it's just time for us to get back to the drawing board and see what we can put together so we can be in the Super Bowl, hopefully, you know, in the coming season. So I'm ready. Yeah, no doubt. You know, you watch, you know, over during the Super Bowl, there were so many, you know, stories about how the Seahawks, you know, built their roster, you know, how the Patriots built their roster and all these things. And, you know, with with that, you know, it you have to have quality players, you know, obviously a quarterback, but you also need depth. You need depth throughout your roster, quality special teams player. It's not just, you know, a three-player team anymore. You need depth throughout just to overcome injuries. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I definitely have some guys that I'm ready to talk about today that would definitely add, add some depth to our team. But you also got to do well in the draft as well. You got to put some stuff together because the Seahawks, if you look at the roster, it's full of guys that they drafted from round one through seven a lot of those guys worked out and became immediate starters and impact guys on their team, significant contributors as well. So, yeah, we we got to get it done. Yep. And now, talking in terms of death, we're going to now bring on our special guest who is a defensive tackle for the New York Jets, a big man in the middle who started making plays as the season progressed. This is T.J. Barnes. T.J., this is Tyson Roush. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about you? We're doing great, man. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Uh, thank you for having me. TJ, the first question before we talk about the Jets, what is your take on the Super Bowl and that uh, that interception that seemed to end things? Give us a beast mode. That's what I was thinking. Give us a beast mode. So you, were, you, were you as shocked as everybody else? I was. I was. I was. I was very shocked. I, I think I ran out the house, you know, because I was just like, just so just like shocked because they didn't give it to you know, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, I think even everybody ended it for the pick. 
it, it, it's definitely crazy. I mean, you saw everybody, you know, Twitter exploded, everything else. So it's, I mean, now we're moving on to the season. And TJ, when you when you look back at 2014, what do you take away from it as a player? Um, a lot of ups and downs, um, especially from our season. But you, we have a lot of things to learn from, uh, ready to rebuild and get back into it to be a contender. But as the NFL, um, also you had a lot of ups and downs in different situations. Um, with, like, uh, domestic violence and, and you know, child abuse and so on. So just hoping for a better year for the NFL and with the Jets. Yeah, now, at, from from an individual perspective, when you, got, you saw some playing time, you started making plays, you had a good preseason. What did you take out of it in terms of your own development? Um, I knew I belonged because throughout well, my spent with the Jacksonville, it didn't go the way that I wanted to and it started leaving. Like that was back in the head that I really belonged in this league, that I really played. And then when the Jets picked me up in 2013, October, um, Coach Gumball, he really worked with me and then just told me the sky's the limit. And once the preseason in 2014 came, just told me to go out there and have fun, and that's what I did. I made the most of it. And I was able to make an active roster and then leading on to be able to make plays and. You know, be just it just came from watching a lot of a lot of the players also, just being able to make plays and being contribute. How how much how much would you attribute um, Carl Dunbar in terms of your development and your progressing? You know, him and the whole staff was just uh, they were they really worked and really just gave me like stuff to. Uh, work on after practice and some up the notes and to show me who to look uh, look at um, during the games and or we're doing tape and whatnot. So I used to give all my credit uh, success to them and all my teammates. Now, when you're you're playing inside two Pro Bowl guys, Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson, how much how much do you learn from those guys in terms of, like leadership and just development? Well, the whole D line is Pro Bowl, but um, I just uh, I want to say I think we just all count on each other, really. You know, it should be a drop off at any position as uh, game ain't get injured or get winded. They put me in. It shouldn't be like a drop off because like we just uh, a higher higher rated player. We all put in time and practice. We all. You know, study and work hard. You know, so it's never like a drop off really. And in terms of that, you have you had the Pro Bowl lineman in front of you. Then you have Carl Dunbar. What was it like playing for Rex Ryan? It was fun. Every day was always something to look forward to. You know, um, as far as like just going to meetings, making meetings fun and really sensitive, going to practice, just having fun and being able to you know. Live out a dream. You really made it possible. Man, so now, have you had a chance to talk to your new head coach, Todd Bowles, yet? Not yet. I haven't had the pleasure to meet him just yet. But once I get back to New Jersey, I believe we'll be able to sit down and talk for a while and discuss what he believes the future for the New York Jets is and how I fit into it. Now, were you, were you, do you sense, like, as a player, do you sense all, like, the, like, the renewed excitement with the fan base as, you know, like, you know, with, with the Todd Bowles introduced, it seems like everybody's excited again. Do you sense the excitement from the fans? I feel like the 
fans are always excited, you know, the, the true fans are, you know, because they know we come out and we fight hard every day for, you know, to, to go hard and to, uh, try to make a uh, the playoffs. You know, really the fans are always excited. I just, you know, I guess the fans are the faith of the organization. But, um, something else to talk about, really, you know. Okay, we're going to try to clean up our connection with TJ. We're kind of having a hard time hearing him. So, Joe from Long Beach, I mean, this it's a pretty interesting to hear from TJ Barnes, just, you know, the, the mm-hmm. defensive line, play, the guys playing alongside him, you know, with Wilkerson and Sheldon and these guys like that. It's got to be an invaluable experience, I think, for a young player like that, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, he was an undrafted guy, too, that, that originally was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then he ended up with us uh, after they cut him in August. So, you know, I think working next to guys like that, you start to learn uh, different things, how to better your technique, uh, you know, just how to study film, how to do things correctly, especially when you play next to a guy, like you said, like Muhammad Wilkerson, uh, a lineman that's just crazy right now and, and doing his thing in the league. So I definitely think that that helped him in his career. Yeah, and the thing, too, is he's an interesting player, too, just because the amount of depth they have at that position. I mean, you have, you know, you know, Doosable was there, Kenrick Ellis. There's a lot of competition there. So, there was, you know, if you go based on what, you know, Todd Bowles is saying, it's always about competition, things like that. I mean, it's going to be great to see him, you know, get the time, get the reps, and, you know, and learn a whole, you know, just learn a whole new, under Casey Rogers, learn a whole new aspect of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And this is going to be his time, you know, to, to flourish. And competition you know, really pulls the best out of players. So we'll we'll definitely see what we get out of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely exciting times. And, you know, it's just interesting to see, you know, every player we've talked to in the past, everybody raves about, you know, Carl Dunbar. Everybody raves about Rex Ryan. It's just, you know, we're hoping we have the same, you know, same impact with Casey Rogers and Todd Bowles. Yeah, and I'm also liking to see, you know, what happens with Pepper Johnson as well. Um, you know, Pepper Johnson being on a D-line coach, We'll see what he teaches those guys and see if he's just as good or if not better than uh, Carl Dunbar. And I'm definitely looking to see these linemen improve. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, he works with TJ as well and gets the best out of TJ and that TJ just flourishes because, you know, just act crazy out of this world defensive linemen too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have uh, TJ back now. And sorry, TJ, we had a a rough connection there, so we were kind of getting like we couldn't really hear your answers. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. I'm glad we're back connected now. So, thank you. so we'll just continue on. So as you prepare for this off season, what are some things as like, as from individually you're trying to work on as you prepare for like mini camp and, and training camp? Um, just to become a more finesse Yulana because I believe I I've um I wanna say mastered, but I've gotten down the hold the power part of, you know, being like being a power rusher. Just wanna be more finesse with it. Um, being like being able to turn it like to a speed rusher at times, so or be able to use like a step move or something else, but just putting more moves in my arsenal. Really, so. Do you do any kind of? I mean, we talked to players in the past where they they incorporate some MMA training or different kinds of training. Do you any? Do you do any specific training just for your for your size and frame? Yeah, I actually just started kickboxing. You know, so I right. incorporate that. You know, that's like a good morning morning cardio workout. So I've incorporated that into my whole routine for the off season. Man, you're you're a big dude, man. I think you'd probably destroy some pads, huh? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. 
So do you have, like, as a player, when you go into the season, I mean, you obviously you're looking that you want to get more, you know, get more reps and, and climb the ladder, things like that. Do you have, do you establish any goals for yourself as you head for, look to 2015? Um, my goals for, I haven't established my goals for 2015, but the season just set because we're not, you know, getting close to that. But I'm always establishing goals for myself when I go into each season, uh, whether, whether it's been high school, college, or, you know, my second year into the pros now. Um, last year, it was like I want to do enough to lose all the weight and be able to, you know, show, be impressive to the coaches when I came back for OTAs and whatnot, and being able to make the team and be able to make enough plays and attribute to, you know, the team's success and um, be able to uh, learn from the uh, the players I have ahead of me to be successful. Um, those are just, like, goals that I used from last year, you know, you know, but all that I have for like this off season, you know, just put more things into my arsenal. Don't be, uh, don't be like somebody our cool ego only power rusher. Do this and that and third. You know, put more moves into my arsenal. Become slimmer. Get smarter. Um, watching more. You know, be able to pick up on tendencies quicker. You know, just little stuff like that for like the off season. Do you do you study a lot of film in the off season, or do you kind of just like gear up more towards like the mini camp stuff like that? Oh, I'm forever watching football, whether it's playing Madden or just watching old games on like my uh, Direct TV. Um, uh, just playing, you know, football with like some of the kids around my community. Just always doing something like to integrate football in my life every day because I never want to be able to lose a step on anything. So. I'm always incorporating, you know, some type of football activity, watching film or doing anything. Do you think, um, is there any players that you role model your game after, like a player that you look up to that you want to play like or that you try to watch film on to try to, like, enhance your game? Um, Haloti Nada, he was, like, one of the big, one of the guys I started watching. Um, Henderson, when he played for the Jaguars, uh, and who else? Yeah, John Henderson when he played for the Jaguars, uh, and Warren Sapp. Nice, there. Yeah, they're, they're all very, very good players to keep track of with prominent careers. Mm-hmm. And as, as you as you look towards free agency, right? You no, know, as fans, we all, you know, obviously you're on Twitter. You know, we always, you know, we we talk about all kinds of different things, and you know, about contracts and free agents. As a player, do you actively try to recruit any other players that are friends of yours or guys that you think will help the team? Uh, not really. Um, if I'm asked to do so, I wouldn't mind doing so. But I don't really get into all that. You know, I just show up when it's time to work and see who's been all recruited to the team. Or I do like you guys see on ESPN or whatnot, who's been, you know, signed or free agency or anything like that. So I know I don't really do any recruiting or anything like that. You know, it's like college for me where you have somebody come on an official visit, you tell them all the good things about your team and this and that third, all the stuff that they want to hear, and they sign and the next day, you know. So this is, that's not my role on the team, so... So when you hear, when you see all this talk about Revis and Kamara, do you just sit back and laugh and say these fans are going crazy in the off season, or how do you how do you react to these things? I, I just sit back and laugh really because I've gotten a chance to know Crow when I first got here in October of 2013. He was a pretty cool guy, um, pretty good guy on and off the field. So um, just seeing that he wants to come back is 
you know, good. But I just don't really, I don't really get too much into it. Now, one one of the biggest stories, you know, you guys, you guys had a, had a rough year, but you always stayed together. You always stayed really competitive. Do you consider like a very strong locker room, like a very like a very family oriented locker room, like a strong bond in, in there? Yeah, uh, if, if if you're able to go into the locker room when media is not allowed, you'll just be able to see like you know there's different characters on the on the team. Everybody's laughing or having like a in-depth conversation, whether it's finances, politics, or you know what whatever happened on you know TV the other night. You know it's 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 it's, it's, it's real it's real good to just be able to walk to a locker room and you see like every different, different people different parts people from different backgrounds being able to sit down and talk. You know, and just be brothers, really, you know. And I guess one, one of my last questions for you is, you know, again, we're talking to T.J. Barnes, the defensive tackle for the New York Jets. How much of a change was it going from the Georgia Tech where you were successful to coming to New York and, trying, you know, fighting for reps and, you know, playing at MetLife Stadium? How much was the change, like, was it a big change for the speed of the game, like the physicalness? What was, what was the biggest change for you? Um, it wasn't the speed or... Anything is more how much more was demanded from you, you know. Um, and the biggest thing I had to adjust to was not playing because my my senior year is my first time having a full year starting under my belt to protect and coming back and you're you're basically like a freshman again once you get into the league unless you're drafted into like the first or second round or whatever. Um, it was like I wasn't I wasn't really getting reps and I had to do more studying than I would. You know, more than I had experience in like practice or in games. So I believe it, it helped me for the better because it, it made me more in tune with trying to uh, find out what my opponent is going to try to do to me or try to do to the team, and uh, it made me a better player um, uh, overall. So awesome! And well, as we, as you wrap things up, is there anything you want to tell Jet fans? I mean, right now the Jet fans are excited. We you know. There's a new coach in place, new general management. It seems like a, it's like a new era of Jet football. Do you have a message for all the Jet fans out there that are uh, listening in tonight? Just look out for 2015. You know, a whole different, se- whole different season, different coach, different mindset. Awesome. TJ, thank you very much for joining us tonight. You know, everybody, you know, follow Illuma90 on Twitter. Is there anything else you, is there anything else you want us to contact, follow you at? No, I'm good right now. I don't think Beyonce wants me wants me to have like a whole lot of followers too too much everywhere. So, <laughs> well, TJ, thank you again for joining us, man. We definitely appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night, man. You too. All right, everybody. That was TJ Barnes, and we apologize for the the earlier part of the interview where we got we had some uh, background noise, things like that. But, Joe, you know, it's guys like T.J. Barnes that, you know, it's the young and, you know, like as you mentioned with the Seahawks, you got to draft well and you have to have undrafted free agents actually perform on the field and contribute. Because if you don't have that, you can't have a roster of 22 All-Stars. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. We have some guys like LeJay Le- 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 Doosable and uh, Damian Harrison. Those guys are the same guys that showed up, roster guys, uh, guys that were depth guys that showed up and did, you know, big things for us on our defensive line. So, yeah, he's one of those guys that definitely, you know, filled a role in this team and did what he needed to do. You know, and the one thing is, you know, the one benefit, if there was a benefit, of the 4-12 and season was that you found guys like Marcus Williams. You started finding pieces of the puzzle that we may not have realized that we had, which is, I mean, not a, not a good thing, but, I mean, it's an option as we head into this season. And, and, and it, we'll bring on um, our first caller. This is Kyle from Long Island. Kyle, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hey, Joe. How are you? 
Doing pretty good, man. What's up? Hey, how you doing, man? Uh, nothing. I just want to first thank uh, TJ Barnes for joining the show. I feel like it's cool to have one of the actual players talk and give their opinion on everything. Yeah, no, it was cool. To, it definitely appreciate his time coming on. Uh, we, you know, we apologize for the, the earlier sound, but yeah, it's it was guys like that. It's always good to hear from them what they're trying to do in the off season, how they want to prepare. You know, you know, you know, like Rex Ryan and Carl Dunbar both had a huge impact on him as he developed. So it's an exciting time, man. Hopefully, we get the same thing out of you know Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers as we go forward, and, and Pepper Johnson, as Joe mentioned. Yeah, definitely. I think he's one of like the more underrated players. He hasn't really got it a shot yet, but. If there's ever an injury, I think he might be someone that we can count on. He came in when he has come in and he's made plays. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and you also the, the benefit is you're playing with Sheldon Richardson, who is, in my opinion, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. So that's never a bad thing. So you know what I mean? It's it's interesting yeah. times. So Kyle, I mean, I'll, I'll fire a question at you, Kyle, because I, I mean, you guys are lucky tonight because I did a lot of research on players and <laughs> contracts. So. What is what is your take on the return of Revis and Camardi, which is the headlining story of today? Oh, man, I love it, personally. I think it was stupid cutting Camardi. I understand that he, uh, he had a hip injury. He was due a lot of money, and he had down a couple down seasons, but he was playing hurt. It showed once he was healthy again this year. He was uh, back to his normal self, a pro bowler, and he's good in Cabo's system. I think he'll fit really well, and who wouldn't want the best corner in football back? I mean, yeah, I know he's a head case with the uh, money and everything, but that's not for us fans to worry about. I mean, they'll, the manager will take care of it. If he's on the team, he's on the team. It's great. Yeah, now I'll send this before I start with my little rant. Joe, what do you? what's your take initially when you heard about the Cromartie and Revis signing? Or uh, the potential of them coming back. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think it's all media stuff. I think I think we need to slow down just a second, okay? Uh, Cromartie, if we can get him back, you know, with the right cap number, sure, I have no problem with him coming back. Darrell Reeves is not going to play for anything lower than the highest bidder, okay? He does not care about winning. And he said that before when he was in Tampa Bay. He wants to get paid, especially now the fact that he's won a Super Bowl ring. We have a lot of holes on this team, a lot of holes on this team. And if people think that the cap money, or they, hold on, the people think that the cap money that we're going into the, the season with now is going to be what we have once we start free agency, it's not. We still have to sign Muhammad Wilkerson, Lejay Duzable, Ellis, and uh, uh, Harrison are still guys we need to get under contract once again, or they walk out the door. That's our entire defensive line. That's our strength of the team. Okay, we can't let these guys go. And then you're also talking about Harris as well, uh, David Harris. What are we going to do with him? Um, so there's five guys right there that we need to get figured out before, you know, any of that stuff. So this 40 or possibly maybe even 50 million that we have, I don't think that's what we're going to have when we go into the season I, or into free agency. I think it's going to be anywhere from 30 to 35 million. Okay, even with that, you also have to count Piercy Harvin. That's 10 point something, 10.5 off as well. So let's go 25 million or 24.5 or whatever. That's where we might be actually going into the season with. So let's break that down. We have an offensive line we need to fix. We have a secondary that we need to fix, and it's not just corner. We also have to get corners to back up D. Milner because he hasn't been healthy since he's got here. He hasn't played a full season. We can't count on McDougal either because he hasn't been healthy since we drafted him. There's a lot of different holes here that we need to establish before we talk about paying Revis you know, 15 or 16 million, because I honestly believe that's what he's going to want a season. 
And he doesn't care about going to the Jacksonville Jaguars if they offer him $18 million. He's going to use us as leverage, and he's going to use the Bills as leverage as well. This is a game I've already seen this movie. I'm just fast-forwarding <laughs> to the good part, okay? I, I, I'm not going to play around with this. This is something that I don't want to happen, and I'm not going to rant, but this is something I don't want to happen. I don't want us to do what we did with Namdi. When we chased Namdi, and we, we, we didn't even need him. We needed a right tackle. We had other needs on the team that we failed to address because we were chasing after this over-the-heel corner because he had some solid seasons with Oakland. Okay, we don't need Revis. What we need is we need guys that can fill roles in this, in this scheme here and do what we need them to do. Is he the best corner in football? Absolutely, hands down. I have no arguments against that. But we needed – I'd rather have – three or four decent guys in the secondary that will stop plays than one guy when you can just say, okay, well, we just won't throw at him. That's, that's, the, that's the end all be all to that. You want to pay him $18 million, fine. We just won't throw at him. So where are we going now? You still got safety problems at safety. You still got problems at that other corner position because D. Milner probably ain't going to have another healthy season. You still got problems on your offensive line, and you still have problems in your backer as well, uh, with your linebackers as well because we're thin there too. So, so let's all slow down a second before we let this media uh, roll us in the, hey, let's bring Cromartie and them back. No, we need to start thinking smart here. We need to start being effective in our free well, agency and, Joe, and, and, and the way we manage our cap. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, no, I agree with you. And, you know, what we keep saying, just because you have $45 million in cap space means you go out like drunken sailors and spend it all in one place. Kyle, my question mm-hmm. for you is, listen, uh, Kyle, I can, make a, I can make a case for Revis, which I'm not going to tonight. I'm not going to do a case against him, but – what would you offer Revis in terms of a contract? What, how, how long and what kind of numbers? Uh, well, considering the year that he had, uh, he played pretty well. Um, but he did, he could do, a, like if he is to get cut by the Patriots, we could do a deal similar to that where we backload his deal, but none of it's guaranteed. Like, whatever, I don't know how their deal's structured, but I know he's due $20 million and 25 against the cap next year. But if they cut him, they owe it. They only owe, like, five or something like that to him and against the cap. So we do something similar like that because he only made $7 million this year. So maybe something along those lines. So, I mean, do you want to offer a two-year deal, a three-year deal, a five-year deal? Like, what kind of numbers you – like, what kind of length of contract are you trying to do? Uh, like, three. Because, uh, he, you know, he's turning 30, so 33 might be, like, when he starts going downhill. So, three years, what, $30 million? But you are, what's, your, what's your average? you want to do $14 million, $15 million per year? Like, what are you looking for? I'd give him 12 with some incentives. Good luck with that, man. I don't think that's going to sign him. But <laughs> no, yeah, I know. Like that's what I'm saying. Like that's the most I'll give him for him coming back. If he wants more than that, then we'll just roll Cromartie and like some other guys. But, but now, see, now you, you mentioned you mentioned Cromartie. What kind of offer are you going to offer him? What are you going to? What, what kind of? How many years and how much money? Well, I think he made three this year. Yep. And he did play a little bit better, so maybe like. Uh, Two-year, ten million dollar deal. That's not bad. Not terrible. I mean, he made three point five and went to the Pro Bowls and alternate. It's not a terrible idea. All right, Kyle, I will let you go, man. We appreciate you calling in because I'm going to drop some knowledge on Joe now from Long Beach because I've heard the Revis talk, <laughs> I've seen the story, and I got a whole different take on this one. So, Kyle, thanks for calling in, man. 
How about? All right, Joe. Here's here's okay. my scenario. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Revis, your buddy Revis, who is turning 30. Now, keep in mind, 30, dude, in July. Mm-hmm. He's going to probably mm-hmm. demand, what, 14 or $15 million a year, right? At 30 years old. So you offer him, what, a four-year deal? I mean, he's going to want – you're going to say, what, he's going to probably want to average what, what, what Peterson got, Patrick Peterson got, $14 million a year, maybe 47 you know, something like that. You would agree? Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. Okay. I, I, would, I would argue he offered more. He wants more than that, but okay, we can we can say that. So just say, see, he's always been about the money and about being the high, one of the highest paid corners in football. So even say if you give him a three year deal, he's playing until he's thirty three years old. You know, saying fifteen million dollars a year. Patrick Peterson got his five year seventy million. He's twenty five years old. Joe Hayden got his five year sixty seven million. He's twenty five years old. Richard Sherman, everybody's mouth to talk about, twenty six years old, averaging fourteen million dollars a year. Even Aqib Tlaib, six years, $57 million, $9 million a year. Vontae Davis, four years, $36 million, 26 years old. Do you notice the trend here of the ages of these players? Mm-hmm. They're a lot younger. They're in their mid-20s, late, a little bit going into their late 20s. Yep. So, I mean, that, that has to be initially, you know, you can want, you could say you're the best corner of football, and you can give Revis a top three number. I say he is. Yes, he is. This year he is. Maybe next year he is. What about the two following years? Those two following years when you're paying Darrell Revis $15 million a year, how is that? I mean, he, it's going to be like – it reminds me of those baseball contracts. When you get these guys signed, just say like A-Rod or some of these ridiculously big contracts, the first two years you love them. And the following four years, the fans hate him because he slowed down his hips, his ankles, the body breaks down. Do you think there's a chance of that with Darrell Revis? I mean, dude, he's 30 years old. I mean, this isn't this – isn't, we all want to say he's the best. He's not 25. He's not 26. I mean, if you're if you're looking to rebuild your team and young, is it really the right move to do? Is chase Revis for three years, or do you try to find a guy? I mean, Vontae Davis is is an excellent corner. Four years, 36 million, 20 guaranteed. He's 26 years old, dude. Exactly, and that's why I brought up earlier the Namdi. <laughs> Just talking. That's why I brought up that situation. It's the same thing. Like I said, I've seen this movie before. I'm fast forwarding to the good parts. I watched Namdi, a guy that was turning 30. He was 30 when they gave him when he got out of that deal with Oakland, and the Eagles were, you know, they outbid us. They absolutely outbid us. With thank goodness they did because look what happened when they got him. Players generally, once they hit 30, they get worse. They don't get better. They don't, especially yep. at corner. You you start to lose your speed. Once you start to lose your speed, other things open up for you. So no, I don't. That's why I'm telling you, we shouldn't even leave it alone. Just don't even look at Revis at this point. Don't because he's not going to come in for 14 million a season. He's not going to do that. He's not. He didn't want that. No, I, you know, before he's not going to do that. No, and I agree. I mean, and it's like, listen, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, anti, I'm not anti Revis. I'm mm-hmm. looking to build a team. Build a team exactly. without band-aids and, and bad contracts. I mean, you know, people mm-hmm. were saying, you know, like the, you know, like he he's a great player now. Is he going to be a great player in two years? And do we want to pay him fifteen million dollars in two years? That's my thing. So now you're going to say, okay, mm-hmm. what's what's the option? You know, what would you rather have a Kareem Jackson who's twenty six years old? I mean, even j- just playing devil's advocate. I mean, you know, a guy's like Brandon Flowers. He made three million dollars just last year. Walter Thurman, yep. who got hurt, unfortunately, who I like Walter Thurman. Make three million dollars. Camardi make three million dollars. That's twelve million dollar difference, dude. Even if you pay exactly. somebody six million dollars, even if you pay somebody six million dollars, that nine million dollar difference is a friggin' wide receiver, a very good one. 
Exactly. And that's why, again, like I said, I would rather have three or four guys to fill some roles, like a Cromartie, a guy that I'm, I am on the bandwagon, I'm waving the flag. I want us to sign him. If he comes in at the right cap number, let's bring him in. Uh, let's go get another wide receiver because everyone's clamoring about a wide receiver. I got a guy named Andre Holmes, who I think is very good, and he's out there with the Raiders, and he's going to be a free agent this year. He's a guy that I can think we can bring in that's going to be a value guy that can put up some numbers here in our system. A big guy, big target, we can bring him in. There's three or four guys we could sign with the prospective money that we might, that if we were to go after Revis, that we would give to Revis. I don't think he's worth that. I don't think he's worth that because he's just one side of the field that you shut down. You can go to the other side. And I also don't think he's worth that because, like you said, and like I brought up earlier, he's, tur- he's getting old. He's turning 30. He's 30. What, what do you do with the next two years? Those last two years of his contract, you don't know where his body's going to go. You don't know where he's going to take it. You know he's going to slow down because that's what age does to people. He's, not, he's human, just like everybody else. That's what's going to happen to him. So let's not pay him all this money, and let's focus on building the team like I spoke about and like you spoke about. No, I agree. And, like, you know, everybody, I mean, I know I'm going to get torn for this, but I really don't care because, you know what, <laughs> you take that $15 million – but just think about it. You take that $15 million, you can get an $8 million receiver and a $6 million mm-hmm. corner. I'd rather have two players that are younger, Kareem Jackson. I'm not saying you give Kareem Jackson that kind of money. He's 26 years mm-hmm. old. You know, you look at, you know, and we'll go into receivers because you got Demarius Thomas and all these other guys, even Julius Thomas, a tight end that we can definitely use. These are pieces of the puzzle. I'm not saying don't spend the money, but if you could spend it and bring in more talent, I- I'm not opposed to it. So with that being said, we'll bring on our, our, uh, another caller. This is our good friend Brandon, who is from um, originally from New Jersey, now in Florida. Brandon, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? I'm good. How you guys doing, sir? Doing great, man. What's up? Hey, man. How you doing? Good. What's up, Joe? How you doing, man? What's going on, man? How's everything going with you? Good, good, good. I'm ready to talk to you guys. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> What's on your mind, Brandon? What do you, what, got? What do you got? You want to talk? You want to talk Revis? You want to talk Camardi? What do you want to talk? Cromartie. I think Cromartie is a given. Um, I don't see why not. Todd Bolt's with us now. Um, he knows the system. Um, you know, and you guys sent that tweet out, I guess, a couple of days ago. About how much would we give to Cromartie? I had answered, and uh, Cromartie's wife had tweeted me back. We were going back and forth for, like, a good four or five tweets. And I had mentioned, like, one to two years and then two to four per year. I just threw it out there. I don't know what to give him, no. But I didn't bring him back, and I was like, you know what? And then all of a sudden, I was like, damn, Kamari's um, wife tweeted me back. This is random. And we started going back and forth. And she's like, no, not with that money. You know, not with that much. And I was like, what do you guys want? I'll start a donation. What do you guys want to do? I mean, and then bring you guys back, you know. We need him. He's a leader. He knows the system. He can teach, uh, you know, the young guys in the backfield to help us out and whatnot. So, See, now, I have, my, my first rebuttal is this. And listen, I, I'm, I'm not hating on Kamari. He, he had a solid season. He knows Bulls, defense, everything else. Let's talk numbers, and the numbers are he's turning 31 years old. That, for me, yeah. you're a corner. I know, he's a, I know he's a phenomenal athlete. I understand all of that. But so for me, that right off the bat limits his paycheck. So to me, it's mm-hmm. three, $4 million a year. Two years is great. If you want to bring him in, if he wants to try to break the bank somewhere else, see you. I mean, you, I mean it's, yeah. just because the Jets have money, I'm not going to overspend for a guy to be a mentor for players. That's what we have coaches for. You know, we, you know, like I understand what, you know, when Rex Ryan came here, he brought in Bart Scott and Jim Leonard, all these guys implemented the system. With Cromartie, it's, I understand it's a corner, but to me, I mean, Joe, I'll throw this to you. I understand that Cromartie can help teach defense, but that's a corner. I think for me, you, you know, maybe a linebacker you bring in or a defensive lineman or something like that, I think can be a bigger help 
than saying, you know what, Kamari's going to come in and help teach this defense. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I feel the exact same way. That was exactly what I actually had written down. Three to four million dollars a season, uh, maybe two, two max three years. Uh, I, I think, they, like I said before in this podcast, I think he's a guy that can come in, uh, teach the defense, but I wouldn't overpay for him. I just would not overpay for a corner. We can go elsewhere. There's, there's other guys and there's other options out there. Would I love to have him on the team? Absolutely. But I, I wouldn't pay him something crazy like that. And I do think you can get him for 3 to $4 million a season as well. Yeah, and the thing is, too, like, you know, and, like, people are going to say, stop being cheap. We you know, we talk about, I'm not being cheap. Mm-hmm. If you want to overpay, overpay for somebody, overpay for Devin McCourty. Overpay for Demarius mm-hmm. Thomas. Give me guys that are young that are going to make a huge difference. I'm not paying for a third, overpaying for a 31-year-old corner. That's just my personal opinion. But, Brandon, what's your take on Revis? And this is, you know, my notion is that the Jets have way too many holes, and that $15 mm-hmm. million can be two quality players somewhere else. So what's your take with him? I agree. Um, you know, the reason why Rebus is not with us anymore is because his greedy self, you know, how he is. Um, I think if it was a miracle, if he was mature enough and was willing to take less than $10 million, then I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm all for it. But you're right. We do need other positions to be filled, offensive line, receivers, you know, and all, all across the board, really. And But I love Rebus. As much as I hate to admit it because he's on the Patriots right now, I love him. He's a great corner. He's probably by far – the best cornerback in the league, his his technique is top notch. You know he can go up against anybody in the league and you know shut him down. Still, but for fifteen million, no, I'll, I'll pass. I'll like you said, I'll take a couple other guys for that price. Well, now and this leads us to our next question. This one I'm going to piss off a lot of people with is, what is your <laughs> take on what is your take on Percy Harvin? Percy Harvin, you know, ten point five million dollars this year on the cap, nothing guaranteed. If we keep him, it's a fourth-round pick. If he's gone, it's a sixth-round pick. What's your take with Percy in terms of the amount of money we're going to pay him and the compensation we're going to give up for him? Um, I think that right there would be overpaying him to $10.5 million, but if, if that keeps him on the roster, we've got to do it and just you know, take the risk. You know, he, he showed a lot of, um, a lot of uh, you know, resilience and whatnot, and just he, he extended the offense. He made it a lot better. And he showed a different aspect that we don't have right now, and that spreads the field out. You know, deep, deep ball and all that. Speed, speed of receiver. So, I said we give him a shot. You know, we have nothing to lose. We have what Decker, Curley, you know, uh, Salah. Yeah, but you, you, all, know, we, we, you we, also have you also have guys like Randall Cobb, Demarius Thomas. I mean, mm-hmm. Des Bryant. I think is not mm-hmm. going anywhere. But yep. would you rather have yep. like a Randall Cobb that has more? I would say not, not upside, but not health risk things like that. Would you rather have a guy like Randall Cobb over Percy Harvin? For sure. Cobbs, Thomas, even, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Anywhere, anyone really, I don't know. I think Percy, $10.5 million is too much for him, though. I mean, if we were able to get, like, a Des Bryant, even though it's not a question right now, but for that much money, I would do that instead of Percy. I mean, maybe it's Marius Thomas for that part, $10.5 million. He's, a, he's very, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? He's, uh, he's, um, <laughs> he's, uh, he's proven. He's a proven receiver. Well, that's the thing. See, the thing is, and like I'll throw this to Joe, is, you know, you say just in fantasy land, Demarius Thomas does become a free agent. You sign a guy like that and then sign our guy, Anton Smith from the Falcons, Joe, you can replace what <laughs> Percy Harvin brings. You can bring what, what Percy Harvin brings to the table, no? Yes, you could. But I think that Demarius Thomas is going to get over $10 million a season, honestly. Uh, that's think the so? problem with. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't. Th- I don't even think it's a question that he could demand over ten million dollars from, and some team is going to pay it. That, that's 
factual. Some team is going to pay it. That, that, that's just absolutely factual. Same thing with Des Bryant. I think Randall Cobb would be the only guy that we could have a shot at, but I think he'd be close to those numbers. Um, I, look at, I look at, like I said, I look at the deal with Harvin. I, it's done. We have no leverage in this situation at, at all whatsoever. You want to get rid of him? Fine. You can get rid of him. We'll go back to ground zero with no number one, no number one wide receiver, no field stretcher. If we do things like that, um, then we're, we're finished. We don't, we don't have anything else. But the, the positive that I look at his deal um, is that if we cut him, you know, we could cut him at any time of the season, and it won't matter because we won't owe him anything. Nothing's guaranteed yep. in his contract. That's another thing I think people overlook when they talk about Harvin. Oh, we paid him $10 million. Yeah, okay, fine. If he, we all know that he also has an injury history as well. He gets hurt this season. Something happens. We don't like. We don't like how his attitude is because he's had attitude problems in the past as well. He's doing something funky in the locker room or anything like that. We feel like he's malingering with with his headaches or, or his migraines, excuse me, or any issues. Then he's gone and it's free. It, it costs us nothing. We don't have to worry about any cap penalties. Nothing dealing with him. So that's a positive. I think you have to look at from his deal. All the rest of these guys that are out on the street, we may have to overpay them to come here. Um, yeah, so, but. But Joe, but, but my but my rebuttal to that is, you mean I don't think I mean I don't think you have to overpay them to come here. I think any top receiver is going to command the money. They're, they're just going to want the money no matter where they're going to. But mm-hmm. would you? I mean, I agree. I mean, if you if you follow Chris Lepresti on on Twitter, who is a, a great follow, great reporter, he made a case for Percy mm-hmm. Harvin all day today, which I understand. Mm-hmm. And the one thing is, you know, make this a contract year for him, like a, sh- a show me year. Which I understand, but the problem with that is that there's so many other prominent players out there, and you can't you can't have all four of them. Like you can't have Harvin, Decker, Curley, and then try to add Demarius or Randall Cobb because you can't invest fifty million dollars in your wide receivers. You know what I mean? So yeah, do you but, just say okay, we'll, we'll keep Percy because the Jets don't have any leverage. I mean, he's going to they're yeah. going to say, can you restructure? He's going to say, give me thirty million guaranteed, or command that money somewhere else. Yeah, but that's the thing is that we don't have to have another receiver. I talked about this last time on the show. We have Jason Maru. If you figured out how to use him, you would see that we have a pretty darn good receiver threat with him. Everyone talks about, well, you can't have all four. We don't need all four. We never needed all four. We have a good receiving core here. Figure out how to use Jason Maru. And if you want to get another receiver, as I spoke about, there's a guy named Andre Holmes. He plays for the Raiders. He's going to be a free agent this year. You can get him cheap. And let me tell you, this guy is talented out there. 6'4", big body, 210. He runs pretty solid routes as well, and he has good hands. He's a cheap receiver. He's a guy that's going to be out there that we can bring in. If everyone's so enamored with getting another receiver, fine, get him. He can make plays too. But we got Jason Morrow. Give him more than three plays, like the three plays we were running for him last season. Lord knows what could happen if we give him something like, I don't know, five, six, maybe ten plays. He made the all, he was uh, voted all rookie team as the best rookie tight end this year. Figure out how to use the, the – or figure out how to play with the toys that we already have, and you'll see you'll have much more fun than if you went out and bought a bunch of other toys. Uh, we have what, what we you- have here. We just need to use this stuff correctly. What do you what do you think, Brandon? I mean, it looks like Joe's become Jason Morrow's agent. So, what do you think about Joe's thoughts? <laughs> I, I agree completely. Joe's Joe's command right there. He knows what he's talking about. I agree. Um, I have I can't agree anymore with him. You know, Morrow. He he he's big. He's like what six four six five. Big guy, kind of like a grung. You know, but if we use him right, you know, he can be a top tight end in the league. So, and Brandon, no are there, going is there any? Is there any guys that you're looking for in free agency? I mean, I made my campaign last week for a running back. Joe's 
or to make it no. campaigns? Who, who, are there any free agents that you're targeting or hoping the, the Jets sign? Kamardi for sure. <laughs> um, I want to say, I don't know who's on O-line that's available, though, but we need some O-line help. Just I don't know who's all available, though, but just anywhere we can get some help, really. Um, maybe a QB, a veteran QB, maybe uh, Nick Foles. I don't know. Nick Foles, you're willing to trade for Nick Foles? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're struggling I mean, here, dude. Help. You're really struggling. We need help. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, Brady, because when, when Jude calls in and Jude has all kinds of crazy thoughts, we try to be patient and then we just kind of slowly kill him with kindness. I think you're going down that path, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, I'm, we, I'm on board for anybody, really, quarterback wise, especially, because I don't think Jude is the guy. Um, but then again, we have a new coaching staff. Who knows what he can do? It's his third year. Hopefully, he'll learn a little bit more and make better decisions with the ball instead of turning the ball over all the time. Um, but I don't know. We need help. <laughs> but I'm excited yeah, for the no- regime we got going. Well, it's this new coaching staff. We cleaned house pretty much scouting department everywhere, up and down. So I'm excited. Um, you know, so I'm very optimistic. Cool. Well, Brandon, thank you very much for calling in, man. We definitely appreciate it. Not a problem, guys. Have a good night. Hey, thanks for calling in. Good night. So, Joe, your take, your official take on Harvin is what? You're willing to keep him for this year and let him try it out, or you're hoping that restructure, which I think is going to be a tough sell because it's going to be a significant amount of guaranteed money, and the Jets don't really have a lot of leverage. Because I think the, thing, the notion was that the Jets are going to, you know, you cut Harvin and then try to re-sign him. I think that's not happening. You cut him, he's going somewhere else. I, I think you get into a bidding war, and I think the guaranteed money is going to be more than we want to spend. So, I mean, I think it's, it's a tough spot in terms of, like, a restructuring, don't you think? Exactly. And and that's why, I, you know, that's why it's, all, it's already done in my head, okay? We can't cut him because we cut him, like you said, he's going to bounce. I've said that before. He's not going to come. He's not going to re-sign with us. He's going to go somewhere else. Um, you make this like a contract year. Uh, you know, he, he also returns kicks and punts as well. You put him out there on both of those teams as well, and you, you let him do what he does. So he's going to be the number one receiver. He's going to return kicks and punts, and we're going to get all ten million out of him, <laughs> every down to the last cent. He's going to work for all ten million that he's got, and that's that. I really think we should just just let it go. Talking about getting rid of Harvin and keep no, he's going to be here. That's that's just it. He's going to be here, and if you cut him, I'm telling you, we're done. And our offense goes back to being vanilla with no field stretcher and just nobody to scare the defense. We've got to keep yeah, him. I, period. I, I tend I tend to agree. I mean, like the the popular story today is how you know Eric Decker wants to recruit, recruit Demarius Thomas and all these feel good stories. Mm-hmm. If Demarius if Demarius somehow gets out of Denver, which I, I have a hard time believing to begin with, it's mm-hmm. not going to be about his friendship with Decker. It's going to be about the almighty dollar. He's going to want as much exactly. as he can get wherever he can get it. And friendships don't mean anything. We we've, we've learned that it's a, it's a good story. Oh, they're good friends. You know what matters? His paycheck, and that's the only thing that matters. So. I mean, the, the Demarius Thomas is a good story. It's making headlines now because we're all going to be bored and nothing else to talk about. But for me, it's a guy like uh, for me, a guy like Randall Cobb becomes interesting because the Packers are loaded at wide receiver. I mean, they they seem to produce wide receivers there. He leaves, another guy steps up, and they, they're going to catch ten touchdowns every year. So I think for me, Randall Cobb's more of a possibility than a, than a Demarius Thomas. Yeah, and and that's that's exactly what I said earlier. You know, Cobb is is one of the is the most interesting guy because I think we have a possible chance to get him, but I think we have enough here. I, I, the cupboard is not there at receiver, or receiver or receiving tight end. I don't think the cupboard's bare here. I don't think we have to sign another guy. 
We need to use the tools here to fix our problems. We have all the tools that are necessary to do that, and we just need to learn how to use them. That's it. Yeah, I think I think if anything, I would look if I'm looking at the the offense other than quarterbacks, which we already know about. I'm looking at running back, and you know my take on who I, who we want. But you want a dynamic guy in the backfield. I mean, Ivory's a bull. He's going to run you over. He's going to mm-hmm. get you the tough yards. He does all that. Now, mm-hmm. If you can get an explosive like scat back or like you know Anton mm-hmm. Smith or or just somebody that can catch the ball and can be gone in a second, that's the perfect compliment to Chris Ivory. And I think then you have your skill position guys minus the quarterback, and even at that, you bring in a Hoyer or you bring in a whoever else, or the, you know, whatever other band they were going to find, you're surrounding with explosive weapons that if you put them in space, which Changeli is known for, then you have some success. Mm-hmm. And then you have you have to have guys that have to be accounted for at all times, which which Chris Johnson was a nice story. He wasn't that guy. You know, Jeff Cummins mm-hmm. was not really that guy. So Amaro's a threat. You know, Harvin, Decker, Curley, they're all threats. You add a catching, receive, a catching running back out of the backfield, mm-hmm. then I think you have something. And that's exactly why we talked about Anton Smith. Uh, that's exactly why we want him. We both know he's explosive. But there's another guy that's on my radar, too. His name is Roy Hulu. I think Roy Hulu is going to be a free agent this year. I think he's another guy we could bring in that's cheap as well. And we all know, if, if you don't know, now you know, Roy Hulu is a guy that can catch the ball, uh, makes huge plays, third down back, knows exactly what he's doing to get there. He finds room in the field. He's a mismatch for almost every linebacker that covers him. And he also isn't injured too often either. Um, here's a guy right here that would solve all the problems we just talked about. A guy that can come out the backfield, can catch, he's explosive, um, you know, can make plays. There you have that in Roy Hulu as well. So if for some reason we don't get our hands on Anton Smith, we need to be going after Roy Hulu as well. Matt, no, hey, dude, you know what? That's, that's a good call too. I mean, and the thing, the thing yeah. about these guys, which I like the most, is that they're talented and they're coming at the right price. We're not, I mean, mm-hmm. for me personally – Running backs have become a dime a dozen that you either have to draft one or you're not paying a lot for them. Like, you know, the whole DeMarco Murray thing, I mean, I would hate to pay 8 or $9 million for a running back. I mean, if you can get these guys here, like little diamonds that are rough, that you can get for, say, $3 million a year, and they're explosive, you get your three or four years on them, and then you get somebody else, and you draft one, and you keep – for me, I'm not a big guy where I want to spend a lot on running backs. I mean, what, is that your take as well? Yeah, uh, that's exactly my take. Dime a dozen. I mean, yeah, you have your Adrian Peterson. There's, there's guys that are just crazy, your Marshawn Lynch's. But for the most part, uh, you know, you switch guys in and out. I mean, look at the Broncos. They had Hillman. They had, you know, Anderson. They just kept bringing guys in there. It was just dime a dozen guys. You give him the ball, he runs, boom, said and done. Uh, you know, the draft is riddled with guys. I just We just talked about two guys here. Um, you know, we just got to make sure we get the right guy in here. That's it. Yeah, no, that's it. And that's where you hope, like, a Mike McCadden finds, identifies these guys that we don't have mm-hmm. wasted draft picks. I mean, you know, in the sixth round, don't, you know, we, it seemed like, you know, with all due respect to John Idzik, he was drafting linemen that were going to be inactive for the following year. Why not, instead of getting guys that are projects for two years from now, why not get a running back that can help us? You know, why not, you know, these running backs now, especially now in college, you know what you're getting. So you can get good three years out of maybe even a returner as well. Then you're, I mean, you're, you're killing two birds with one stone, and you get a lot of value out of them, you know? Yeah, and, and that's why I'm glad that Mike's here, and I'm glad that our scouting department got cleaned out with guys. Look, we need guys that are immediate impact guys, and, and that's, that's what I brought up when you brought up the Seahawks as well. When they drafted guys, those guys came in and started. They got Sherman in the fifth. They got, you know, a lot of linemen early or late as well, and those guys came in, and they're quality starters, and they're guys that are contributing right now, and that's exactly what we need. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I definitely agree. And I know Hans sent us a tweet talking about you know bringing Powell back or even C.J. Spiller. I'm not. I'm not opposed to bringing Bilal Powell back. I, 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 I've liked. I've liked Bilal Powell. I've, I've been a guy for him. But you can't. For me, Anton Smith is just. That's the guy. I mean, he's just yeah. a game breaking dude. And Spiller for me is a guy that I think is just going to cost too much. He falls in that range where it's. You know, I understand the success with Gailey and things like that, but for me, I mean, Joe, for me, I think Spiller could possibly, you know, price himself away. Not that I'm being cheap, but if you're looking at where you can get the, the value at, I think Spiller can be a little bit pricey. Yeah, and, and he also has injury history as well. He has injury issues as well, and I, I am being cheap. Uh, I want a guy that's going to come in that's going to be able to do some of the same things or if not a better job for less than what I would pay C.J. Spiller. And like you said, I think he's the guy that's going to price himself out. That's why I didn't even uh, consider him uh, to, to be brought into us. Uh, Anton Smith, Roy Hallou, these are guys that we can bring in that are going to be on the cheap, that are going to do exactly what we need them to do. Uh, Bilal Powell, I think he's a very nice back. and You know, he's been on the team for quite a while. I think we need a change of pace back, and I think we need a guy that has speed on him. And Bilal Powell's a guy that he runs pretty well, but he's not a speed back. He's not a guy that's going to get out, get going. He's not super explosive. Yes, he can make some plays here and there, but I think that we need to start looking at guys that are going to be that change of pace guy. Chris Johnson was brought in to be that. Of course, clearly when he got here, he wasn't the same back that he was early in Tennessee. So we can't even really, you know, it wasn't, and he also wasn't being used correctly as well. So we didn't get what we should have gotten out of him. But I think that that's what we need to start looking at as well, backs that are in that mode. A guy, when you give him the ball, he can be gone. Uh, and that's why we keep, you know, banging on the horn for uh, for Anton Smith. But we need we need some explosive guys in here immediately. Yeah, and it's funny because now, like, and I, I definitely agree with you 1,000%. And the, the thing is, it's like, you know, we're saying how we want to find value. And for me, you get you try to find value with running backs. If I'm going to start spending mm-hmm. money, I'm going to spend it at safety, and I'm going to spend it at outside linebacker. I mean, there, there's some names out there that are some big names. I mean, Brian Arakbo, Jason Worlds from the Steelers. I mean, these are guys, dude, that if I'm spending money, fine. That, that, you know, it's like you have to spend a little more than you want to. I'm okay with that. I mean, you know, there's some there's injury concerns, but I mean, Jason Worlds. I mean, that's a guy. It's just like, wow, there you go. You know, if you're if you're gonna reach out there, you know, a guy that's 26 years old coming from a you know a system that's you know a prominent system in Pittsburgh. I mean, isn't a guy like that what we need on this team? Exactly. Yeah, I had his name written down as well. Jason Worlds is the guy that I think he can definitely bring in here. He's an out of this world linebacker. Uh, I would definitely spend money on line linebackers of his caliber at least. Um, I also think we need to start spending on our offensive line, too. Doug Freed is a guy that I love. <laughs> you know, he's out there in Dallas. He plays pretty solid. Uh, we can bring him bring him in as a right tackle and have him playing out there, too, um, and, you know, protecting whoever our quarterback is going to be next year. We also need to, like I said, start looking at spending for our offensive line. But uh, bringing World in as a backer and trying to figure out what's going on with our linebacker situation because it's going to thin out as well, that's something we need to look at, too. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, like those are kind of guys. Like you know, the one thing with the Jets, it's always been like, you, the, especially on defense, you want like sideline to sideline guys. You want speed. You mm-hmm. want bumpers. You want hitters. You want all these things. You know what I mean? So it's like if you can start adding that dynamic playmaker, especially as a pass rusher, which Rex Ryan, you know, to his credit, tried to create all smoke and mirrors, and he tried every trick possible to get his pass rush. But you know, if you if you spend money on a guy like that, I have no problem with it. You want to overpay? Knock yourself out because you're going to get your value, and it makes a significant difference. You get you add a lead pass rusher or a dominant <clears throat> pass rusher, your secondary automatically gets better. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something, that's something uh, we kind of lacked here as well, uh, hoping that Quentin Copeland developed and hoping that all these guys develop. But if we can get a guy in here, like you said, that can rush the passer, it just changes the game. It makes it makes offenses, you know, want to protect themselves more. Your guys being brought in just to help out with that, it will really uh, bolster our defense. And, and, you know, our corner situation, you know, guys won't have to cover as long if you got a guy, you know, that's getting off that edge and getting in guys' faces. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Hans sent us one where he said Sam Acho from from the uh, Cardinals. But th- now, Joe, my question for you is this: It's like you know we, we talked about the secondary, and if you add a prominent corner, just just for devil's advocate, just say it's um you know say it's Kareem Jackson we add there, or you know okay. say, just say, we'll say him just for general. The other side, are you comfortable with the competition between Milner and McDougal and Marcus Williams, all these guys? Or would you rather have a guy like a Walter Thurman or a Camardi to man there and have these young guys compete for positions, like with a Camardi? I mean, how would you – do you want to bring in two veterans? Or are you looking for one prominent guy and then have everybody else kind of blend in? My my thing with that is, I, out of all of them, I would trust Marcus Williams the most. And it's not because I think he's the most talented. It's because I think he's actually going to start a season and finish a season. You can't count on McDougal and D. Milner. D. Milner hasn't been healthy a full season since we drafted him. Uh, McDougal's coming off an ACL tear, so who knows what you're really even going to get out of him uh, next year because he's still going to be dealing with that on top of the fact that we don't even know if he's going to pan out because he didn't play almost at all. So we don't even know if he's going to be a solid corner in this league. So, you know, Marcus would probably be the guy that I would want over there. But at this point, you want to bring in two veterans because that's just the way I think we're going to have to go about it to to shore up those things. So if we can bring in a Cromartie and a Walter Thurman, like you said, that would be great too. But if we go with Cromartie and Marcus Williams, we're going to have to bring in guys for depth. Because like I said, I don't think the D Milner or, or – you know, McDougal, I don't think either of those guys are going to be healthy a full season. So you almost have to have a backup plan for the backup plan when you deal with them. Yeah, my I, I, my hope is that Cromartie is not our prominent cornerback signing. That That's my say. I mm-hmm. want, not just based on age, just based on a variety of things, I'm hoping that we can find a younger player. I mean, I keep saying Kareem Jackson, but I mean, I'm sure there's other options out there. But that that's my mm-hmm. personal preference. I know that everybody wanted Maxwell, but based on reports that he may be trying to work on a deal with the Seahawks. So, you know, it's like I understand, I respect Cromartie. I understand he brings to the table. But if that's going to be your prominent free agent signing for the secondary, geez, I mean, I, I can't honestly say I'd be happy with that. I mean, I, I just don't – I just can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not, yeah, but he's not a bad corner at this point. I mean, I understand what you're saying with his age and things like that. But, like, like I spoke about before, he's a guy that you're not seeing necessarily hit a brick wall right now. He's still out there. He's still covering guys. He's still able to make plays. So I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. Now, if we signed him and just didn't, you know, didn't draft any corners or didn't look to, you know, make a play on any other corners for future, uh, for future roles to fill out the roster, then I would be like, whoa, what exactly are we doing? But I understand that with Cromartie, if we bring him in, we at least have two, maybe three years with him where we can start to bolster behind him and we can get some guys behind him that can pick up the scheme, learn the scheme, uh, you know, with him teaching them as well, and we can see what we get out of the other corners that we get. So I don't think drafting or I don't think that signing Cromartie would be the, if he was our prominent corner, would be the worst thing in the world. I mean, that's just me. Yeah, see, that's a, that's a tough one for me because I think that you know it's mm-hmm. you sign him and it's basically a band aid, and then a year from now mm-hmm. you're like, no, we, know, we they, a year from now we're either hoping that D Milner or McDougal emerges to number one, or back in the same boat mm-hmm. we're in again. So that that be my concern with that. 
You know, and then, and then at, at safety, which we talked about last week, you have McCourty, Moore, those guys like that. I, I think, dude, I, I just want a free safety that can run and, and make plays and cover a tight end or a running back. Or I think it's a desperate need. It's a huge hole. It's like you can make a case that safety and outside linebacker, are, um, there's just they're enormous holes. And, and that's another position that I think we fumbled and bumbled at. Antonio Allen, I said it again, said it once, and I'll say it again. We already have that, and I think that guy is Antonio Allen. Um, but I also think on the flip side is that, you know, and I know you know this, I know a lot of other people know this, safeties like that just don't grow on trees. I mean, we can draft the best safety, and he won't be able to cover guys like Jimmy Graham and Gronk. That's why those guys are Jimmy Graham and Gronk. Um, I think, like I said, I think Antonio Allen is the guy to solve that problem for us. I think he's the closest that we'll get uh, to that, at least right now, without, you know, whoever is going to come out in the draft, if he pans out for, you know, in two years or whatever, without, you know, having my crystal ball in front of me. Right now, Antonio Allen is the guy that we've seen do that. But we've got to figure out how we can use him correctly and, and, and get him going. Like I said before, we have some tools to fix the problems that we have on this team. We've just got to figure out how to use those tools. No, no, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with you. I think I'm just uh, – I have my concerns. And, I mean, and Hans, again, and, and Hans is, is lighting up our Twitter here, so it's – look, it's Hans on Twitter. And he, 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 made a, he made a great point, too. He made He's actually on your side, Joe, with Crow. He's saying, listen, mm-hmm. it's a good move because he comes at the right price. He knows Dean Milner. He's already familiar with him, and he can help teach Todd Bowles' system. I, I understand it, but me, I, I just if he's my primary corner sign this this off season, I, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to lie. I don't care who we <laughs> But but Joe, my next question for you is this: I, There was some reports coming out that you know the Jets one of the biggest well Woody Johnson one of his biggest priorities is to get Muhammad Wilkerson signed long term, and I think mm-hmm. that is pivotal. I think they played the game. You know they, they tried to walk the walk with him and everything else, and now it's time to pay the man. I mean the time has come. Mm-hmm. The time is now. And there's no reason. I mean, you have. I mean, everything is there. You have the cap space. You have. The, you need him. He's a leader. He's a presence. You name it, he does it. He deserves the money, and he should get the money. There's no question about that. Period. Bottom line: pay that man. Do not let him get away from this franchise. Do what you got to do. Lock him up. Do not let him walk away. Period. Don't let this guy get out the building without signing his name on the dotted line and making sure that he's a Jet for the rest of his career. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's – and, like, you know, like, you always want to say you have, like, your core players and your, you know, the nucleus of your team. He's that guy. Him, Sheldon. These are guys – you don't play around with them anymore. I mean, he, he's been a good soldier. He said the right thing. He's not a distraction. You know, he, he does the right thing. And now it's time to cut – you know, just the, – the, and it'll buy Mike McAgnan so much good goodwill. He does that. You get him signed long-term. Everybody already loves the guy. He hasn't done a damn thing yet. But you get him signed long-term, he's going to be a hero at least for a month or so. <laughs> exactly. That would be a huge move for him as well. It definitely went, went over the fans with him. So, Joe, um, before we go into other topics, um, you had a chance to interview Demario Davis last week, and he came out with some really great quotes that you know I was it was encouraging to hear. I mean, Demario's a great guy. He always he's always interacts with the fans, and he's an inspiring guy. He's one of the leaders on the field. So, share some of the things that that uh, Demario, uh, Demario shared with you. Yeah, he, like like you said, he's a great guy. He's a great guy to talk to. I, I'm I'm I'm. Very thankful I had the, the honor to speak with him. I asked him about some, you know, things about the linebacker position. I asked him, you know, with the linebacker position being pretty thin and the possibility of Harris becoming a free agent, you know, how he would think the Jets would handle the linebacker position group. And, you know, he said they, he thinks they should bring uh, David Harris back, but if not, you know, he was ready to step up. 
And that was a huge thing to me. You know what I'm saying? You know, he was, he was basically saying, look, I love the guy. I like how, you know, I love the way he plays. I've learned from him. But, you know, if he goes, then I'm ready to, to take over that spot as well. I'm ready to lead this defense too. And that's a guy that I think that definitely should stick around. It's a guy we need here. I also spoke to him about uh, Sheldon Richardson. I asked him what kind of impact he has on the field. And, you know, he spoke about Sheldon Richardson, that he had a huge impact, and he was just a great teammate as well. He also spoke about Muhammad Wilkerson uh, being resigned. I asked him questions, you know, how, how do you think the Jets would go about handling that? And uh, he said, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson is a very important uh, guy to get resigned. Uh, he was like he believed that it all started up front, you know, with Doosable and Ellis and Harrison. Um, and they, they have a huge, pack, huge impact on the game for the linebackers, and it just makes it much easier for the linebackers you know, throughout the game to, to pick and, you know, find their shots. If the guys up front, you know, the defensive line up front is doing their job the way that those guys have done those jobs as well. So I think it was great. I also spoke to him about uh, Quentin Copel doing different things within our defense from dropping back in coverage, putting his hand in the dirt. Wait, wait, wait. I, wait, 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 wait. This, this is – say this quote slowly, dude, because I want to make sure everybody hears this quote, what he said about Quentin Copel's. Okay. I asked him where he felt uh, Quentin Copels was was at his best, and he said, I think Quentin Copels excels in the pass rush. I think he's the best pass rusher on the team. So, so, okay, is everybody listening? That's exactly what Demario Davis said, all right? Let me read it again. He said, I think Quentin Copels excels in the pass rush. I think he's the best pass rusher on the team. So that's straight from Demario Davis. So yeah, he, he was just he was a great interview. Great guy. Yeah, he, he you know, he brings up a lot of great points and like you know, like you know, it's it was funny when I when you told me about what he said about Copels, I was like, Man, he's really supporting his boys here and but you know, <laughs> you do a, a lot could be said for for the guys up front though too. Like you, the defensive line is you know, you want your pass rush, you want to control the line of scrimmage in the running game, but you know, it frees up the linebackers too. It lets them make plays and fly around the field and even frees up the safeties. It does a lot of things, so you know, it's, it's a point sometimes we lose, and, you know, and they have a lot of depth, too, which is, you know, it's, it's clearly a strength of the team, and it's going to be interesting. Demario is an interesting player that I'm hoping that if David Harris does leave, which I think there's a chance now that he will, I think it would be interesting to see how he flourishes as the vocal leader in the middle, probably put in different positions and make more plays. I mean, he could have a break. I mean, he had a, a decent season last year. He could have a breakout season under Todd Bowles. Yeah, he could. And I, that's why I'm, I, I wanted to ask him more questions about Todd Bowles, but he hadn't met Todd and he hadn't really spoken to any of the staff yet. Uh, there's a couple guys on the team that haven't, and he was one of them. Uh, so, But he said, you know, I'm ready to do whatever. Uh, wherever he puts me, wherever I can be fit into his scheme, I'm ready to play that. I'm, I'm, you know, I want to be the Swiss Army knife. So so I'm ready to see what, what he does with DeMario. I'm really, I really want to see what the scheme, you know, has, has impact for him. Yeah, and that's and it's a it's a really cool thing because you see like everything you read about Todd Bowles and you know he was named mm-hmm. the you know the uh, assistant head coach of the year by the NFL and things like that. It's he adapts his system to the players. He he like he puts players in their best position to succeed, and that it's encouraging. And everybody to a man says it. It's like you don't. There's not a bad word said about Todd Bowles anywhere. So I think for certain players on defense, it could be a Demario Davis, a Quinton Copels, a you know a Calvin Pryor. These are guys that can really shine in this defense, and it's exciting. Now the only problem is if we could just get the offense to contribute and special teams. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's funny because we sit, we sit here and we spend so much time talking about Revis and Camardi and Demarius Thomas mm-hmm. and all these great names. And you know what the most important, quarter, the most 
important position on the field is the quarterback position. Quarterback. You know, it's just like we're trying to find all these pieces to the puzzle, and the biggest piece to the puzzle is probably our biggest problem at this point. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think that's going to be a problem up until possibly next year or the year after that. I think our best hope, and I spoke about this before, is my my boy Colt McCoy or Sam Bradford. I think those are two really good options for us. Um, you know what? And but, you just you just said you just said a name that had the fire John Idzik guys run around the house screaming thank you thank you thank you as they are <laughs> they are at this point I'm ready to see the fire Idzik guys have a Sam Bradford T-shirt made to campaign to get this guy here. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a guy that you know I think those are two really good quarterbacks, game managing guys. I think the Sam Bradford could be more than that. He's shown flashes, but you got to keep him upright and healthy. Um, and that's why again I've been banging the hammer banging the hammer on the table for us to fix our offensive line problems because you can't get certain guys in here. You know, Sam Bradford, he's a great quarterback, but we know he's made out of glass. He's been hurt often. So if we're going to get a guy like him in here, you also got to make sure our offensive line gets beefed up so he's not getting hit 24 hours a day and not getting speed rushers in his face all the time. Um, but back to the quarterback position, I think that, uh, you know, like I said, there's two two guys out there, but this field and the way that it's looking, even with the draft, those are guys that are going to have to sit for a year. It's not going to get fixed right now. So we've just got to, like you said, we've got to surround him with explosive talent, get a game manager in here, and just let him flourish that way and don't do anything stupid, you know, like throw picks and, and fumble and, and give away, you know, points to the defense. And we could be all right offensively. No, I agree, and it's funny, you know, like we mentioned guys like Bradford, who, you know what, he has talent, that's indisputable, and if you put him behind a solid line, that helps any quarterback, especially a veteran quarterback that can read defenses, which is it's, it's what we need at this point, which is definitely a question for Geno, but you even say like a Hoyer or a Bradford or any of these guys, you put him there, and you, you put him in guys that you get in space, like you put Percy Harvin in space, or you put Chris Ivory in space, or any of these guys, they're all going to make plays for you, and the quarterback's not going to be forced to make these dynamic plays. You know, you, you get the ball in the hand of, of, of dynamic playmakers and watch them do their thing. So there's some opportunities to do some things there. And, and I listen, I have no I have no arguments against Bradford whatsoever. You know, there's there's some names. I mean Hoyer, we can make an argument for a lot of these guys as the legitimate, legitimate guys that you know that can beat out Geno and that can, that won't lose games for you. They may not definitely win them, but they're not gonna lose them for you. Yeah, and and I think those are the guys we need, like I said, we need to get in here. We need a guy that just won't lose the game for us. Please don't throw a bunch of interceptions or just turn the ball over in general and do a bunch of stupid stuff. But, you know, we've just got to gotta pick our shots and pick our spots and just find guys that we think can contribute, you know, and, and do, do as necessary and need to be done. Now, Joe, my, my question for you is this. I mean, we covered a lot of things, and, you know, as the stories come out, we'll address them all. We, we try to address the tweets as, be, as much as we can and everything else. But do you, what, are your, what are your expectations? I mean, free agency is, what, five weeks away or four weeks away, what, March 10th? Do you think there's a lot of expectations for the Jets to make moves early and often? I mean, the expectations are already set from Woody Johnson saying, listen, you know, we're going to spend money. Mike McCabin said, listen, we're going to use free agency as an outlet to improve this team. You know, under Mike Tannenbaum, I mean, the first three days of free agency, you had to check Twitter every 10 minutes because they were at somebody's house or some crazy offer. Do you expect that same kind of flurry now, or do you think – I mean, 
Can you, and the other thing, too, i got to give Chris Lepresti credit for one more thing, too. Because everybody's saying, well, McCagney's going to do this. And he had the best response. He's like, how exactly do you know? He has no contract experience, and he hasn't signed a player in his life. So we actually have no idea what he's doing. So we're assuming that he's going to be pragmatic and practical and offer good contracts. He could be he could, he could spend like a drunken sailor, too, and be worse than Tannenbaum instead of spending money. But what is your what is your expectation? Do you expect it to be fast and furious early on, or do you – I mean, how do you see free agency rolling out? Uh, for a couple of markets, I do expect it to be fast and furious, especially that corner market because there's so very few – really good or top decent or pretty good corners. Um, I don't expect us to go out and spin crazy. Um, Some of the guys that I named are guys that I don't think you have to go out and throw a bunch of money at. They're still guys that are just under the radar value guys. Um, You know, so I I don't expect us to go crazy in free agency. I hope we don't. At least um, um, I think, like I said before, I think we can draft. Uh, the draft is going to be very huge for us. I think that's wait a minute, time out. Wait, hold, hold on. Wait a minute. Am I talking? Is this Joe Idzik? Who are we talking to here right now? <laughs> no, this is not Joe Idzik. This is realistic, Joe. Okay, this is a guy that I'm telling you. We don't need to go out and blow our money on a bunch of stuff. We really don't. Um, Listen, my, my dude, expect- you mean to tell me? Hold on, Joe. You mean to tell me yeah. if you want if you covet if you covet a player like McCourty or mm-hmm. Jason Worlds or a guy like that, you're not going to come out mm-hmm. fast and furious with a big-time offer. I mean, these guys aren't going to sit around for three weeks to be wined and dined. I think a lot of these guys are going to be signed pretty quickly, no? Well, I think some of those guys here are. I don't covet McCourty because, like I said, I think we already have a safety here oh. that can do all the things, <laughs> some of the things that McCourty – no, no, I think he's a great safety. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not here bashing him. But I think we have a guy here that can do some of those things well, and we don't have to pay him that much. Jason World, yeah, he's a great linebacker. Do I think that we should throw a boatload of money and spend a boatload of money on him? No, I don't. I think we should set a cap for him, and if he comes in at that, fine. Um, Cromartie, like I said, or Walter Thurman uh, are my picks at corner. If we can't get those guys, then fine. I don't think we should just throw money at these guys like crazy, like Mike Tannenbaum used to. That's why I don't think it should be fast and furious because there's other guys out there, like I said, that are value guys, value picks. And then if we can't get those, then, yes, we should go draft. I don't, I don't think that we should blow the doors off. Only thing that I think is going to go crazy is probably the wide receiver position the first day. You're going to see guys get all types of deals. Well, guess what? I don't think we need a wide receiver that bad. I don't. I think wide receiver is like the last thing on our list of things to pick up because we don't need them. We just don't. We need to use what we have. Um, so when, when, you, when you're using my strategy and you're looking at the team the way I look at the team, do we have to throw both loads of money and go fast and furious? No. Do I think we have to move steadily and figure out who's the guy that we want, identify him, and then make him an offer? Sure. Do I think we should be paying guys $12 million and up a season? No. There, I, don't, I don't think there's guys out there. I think we, can, we should go after Ayupati. We should go after Brian Balaga. We should go after, you know, guys like that, maybe even Franklin from the Broncos. We should go after him. He's a free agent as well. But I don't think we should just absolutely drain our cap room trying to seal up every single hole on our team. Because, like I said, yeah, but draft, so you wouldn't, I, so you would, but you wouldn't mm-hmm. be happy if you know the free agency begins and Mike McHagan sitting at Mike Upati's door and saying, "Listen, man, we're willing to offer you, I don't know, six million dollars a year. We're gonna, you know, you know, you wouldn't be happy with that if he sat there and just said, "Listen, we addressed left guard as a need, or guard as a need, or offensive yeah. line as a need, 
and the first day the Jets give a, a decent, you know, pricey contract to an offensive lineman? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But you said Flash and Furious, like we're just flying around spending money like the old Redskins used to do with Snyder. No, I don't want that. But, yeah, I do want them going to guys, you know, that in, in spots and holes that we have and making sure that they get signed. Sure, like I, I spoke about how you potty. Do I think that we should do what we need to do to get him? Yeah, but do I think we should throw boatloads of money at him like we saw last season? Or, two, or even two seasons ago with the cornerback position, how people just, like, appeared to leave, how he got overpaid, and all these other guys are getting overpaid. Do I think we should do that? No. I think we should be, like I said, very, very, you know, very consistent with our with our searches and make sure that we get the guy that's necessary to get in there and that we are very precise with how we do things. I just don't think we should throw truckloads of money out there. That's fair. I mean, I, I think – see, I don't think we should spend foolishly, but I think we should be aggressive. I think we should mm-hmm. – my, my biggest my biggest complaint with Idzik was I think he tried to be pragmatic to the point they dragged his feet. And I think while he was sitting there thinking guys were getting signed that he probably wanted. And I think also if you get a guy in your building and you definitely want him, you don't let him leave. I mean, obviously you don't you don't throw in an extra $5 million a year, ten, ten, you know, you don't get crazy. But if there's a guy you want, mm-hmm. you get aggressive and you get him, especially if it's a guy that you all buy into. If Todd Bowles says, listen, Devin McCord is my guy. He'll make a huge impact, or if it's Ayu Potty or whoever it is, you get aggressive and you get your guys because you have the ability to do so. You know what I mean? Like this, like last year, like see the, the approach I wish we took last year in, in the draft was we had all those draft picks. Be aggressive and get the guys you want. Don't just pick 35 players that you're not going to keep anyway. You know what I mean? So this year it's kind of the opposite approach where we have limited draft picks, but we have the cap space. So now I get more aggressive with the cap space. You know what I mean? Because we, you know, the draft is limited. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can't. You can't trade up your entire draft for one player because you don't have a lot of picks, which we we had that last year. But so this year it's kind of the opposite. You understand what I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. But uh, another thing that I think was that hurt John is because I think he had like I mean it's not that I think I know he had no scouting background whatsoever. And I think that yep. with Mike McCagnan, I I honestly do trust his draft. He's a VP of scouting there with Texas. They they brought in a lot of guys that were very good. That's why I'm saying I don't think we have to – yes, should we be aggressive with, like, IU Potty and, and, you know, guys to bring in for our right tackle situation? Sure, I, I do. But overspending and all those things, not when we got McCagnin in here, not when we got a guy that knows personnel. He wouldn't have cleaned out the scouting department if he didn't already have guys in place that would have, that are going to go along, with, you know, with his draft board, and they already have guys figured into the equation that they can get in this draft. So I, I'm very excited to see his draft as well, more so than his free agency. Yeah, and see, and my thing is this: it's just like you know, I have faith in his in his scouting and his ability to identify talent. The contract mm-hmm. negotiations and the ability to sign players is the huge unknown, which is a concern. And you know, like we we spoke to a couple agents last year that you know, not on the show, just you know, behind the scenes, and they were like, "Listen, you know, Idzik started to you know became a reputation of being difficult to work with. You know, he was just things like that. You know, some people said he was easy to work with, some people they say he didn't, but you know, it, it's." It's interesting to see what kind of reputation McCagnin gets early on, and if he can if he can seal deals early on, you know, if he drags his feet, he's got to learn a little bit. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to see, you know, how he gets deals done. Yeah, and 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 that's going to be like like we spoke about. Like we spoke about. I think that's going to be another thing that plays into you know his role here as a general manager and what his legacy, what legacy he leaves here is how he deals with free agents, how he gets those deals done. Uh, is he a businessman? Is he a guy that can? you know, meet meet people in the middle and still win. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what he gets. I'm interested to see how aggressive we are in free agency and what we go after. But, again, 
I don't want us spending crazy. I really don't because we still have other guys that need to be resigned in the future, like Sheldon Richardson. There's a, there's a name, a guy that's gonna he's gonna be creeping up slowly, where he's gonna have a contract year, and we're gonna have to get him under. And I think we need to start kind of putting putting beans away for the future too. No, that's true. I mean, this isn't you know like you want like we always used to say sustainable success. Like you, you know you want to you want to improve this year, but you don't want to hurt you know 2016 mm-hmm. 2017 either. You want to keep it just a you want to continue to build your program and have a lot of moving pieces, not starting to you know knock off pieces. So. It's exactly. interesting, man. There's a lot of there's a lot of names coming up, and there's a you know it's it seems like every day you know the Revis story is big now, which you know it's not surprising. I mean, he's going to use the Jets as leverage, which we all know, and the Cromartie story is not going to go away anytime soon. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, man. It's just you know there's a lo- there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of tough decisions to make, and I think Harvin's going to be one of them. Wilkerson's going to be another one of them. It's going to be real interesting to see how he handles these. Yeah, I'm hoping that he gets the job done with uh, with with Wilkerson. I hope he locks him up and keeps him. But like you said, I'm very interested to see how we attack free agency, and I'm I'm even more interested to see how we attack the draft and how we move up or move down or you know just move in places to get what we need. So I'm ready. I'm I'm gonna be here, and I'm I'm hoping we can get the job done this off season. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, it's just like, and when in doubt, when you're really looking for, you know, I can't, I can't even find the player that I want to play a Notre Dame fight song for. This is probably the first show oh that my we God. haven't played it. <laughs> Thank God, please don't ever play that again. No one wanted to hear that. Do you see how happy the fans are when you don't play that? Do you see how happy the people are? Do you see how everyone's on Twitter? Everyone's having a good time. We don't have to listen to that. Oh my goodness! Thank goodness. I almost had to work in a Jimmy Clausen reference. <laughs> oh, thank goodness you didn't, man. I want to puke. Every time you play that song, I just want to throw up. I just start gagging. Oh, that song sucks. <laughs> All right, well, before before we wrap things up, we just want to thank, once again, TJ Barnes for joining us. We definitely appreciate his time. Um, and Again, we apologize for the early uh, interference on the on the phone call. And, Joe, um, give everybody your information. I see, you know, you got a lot of good knowledge out there. You, you have your videos, things like that. So uh, make sure you share your, uh, your Twitter handle and stuff. Yeah, uh, I want to thank you again for having me on the show. Shout out to Henry as well. Shout out to all my UK followers on Twitter. You guys are coming through crazy. You're hitting me up, talking to me every day. My Twitter handle is youngj000. That is three zeros. Um, You know, follow me, talk to me. I comment back when I can. There's so many people following me now and commenting. I get to everybody when I can. I talk to everybody. I also do YouTube videos as well. I do picks of the week. I've gone all the way up to the Super Bowl. My Super Bowl uh, prediction was correct, sadly. Um, but now I'm going to do my recap for the Super Bowl. I'm also going to continue into uh, free agency with the Jets. I do Jets news. My YouTube is YoungJ00. So, my again, my Twitter is YoungJ000. That's three zeros. My YouTube is YoungJ00. That's two zeros. Comment, rate, subscribe, guys. Hit me up. Man, you guys are so awesome. All my followers are awesome. And shout-out to Hans as well. That dude is on Twitter all the time, just talking Jets all the time. So I like to talk to him as well. So shout-out to everybody, and thank everybody. You're, just, you're a man of people, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, hey, I'm here for every. If anybody wants a hug, I'm giving out free hugs. It's all love, okay? It's all love. <laughs> Yeah, and just as everybody knows, we'll be lining up several special guests, you know, cap guys, agents, reporters, players. We got a lot of things lined up, so 
be sure to keep listening in. If you miss the shows, we're always on iTunes, and you know, feel free to tweet our account. We're always on there. And definitely want to thank Henry. Henry does a lot of work behind the scenes, like just helping arrange things, screening calls, things like that. So if you're not following Henry, be sure you do. He'll uh, he'll share some workout tips with you too, because the kid's always he's always working out and talking about protein and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So, Joe, man, good talking to you again, and I'm sure we're going to have some more uh, Revis talk next week, but we'll have some new guests, and uh, we'll keep breaking that free agency. Yeah, I'm ready for it, man. I'll be here. We'll definitely be talking about Revis for quite some time. I hear people already, but I'm here for it, so let's go. All right, we'll talk to you guys. Here's a song for you, man. Oh, boy, <laughs> oh. oh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Let's go get my son.